You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to the MLB.com StatCast Podcast. Welcome back to the MLB.com StatCast Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello. Joining me here, MLB.com National Editor Matt Myers. Matt, hello. Hi, Mike. How are you? Excited. Opening day is coming up. I am excited. I actually, I uh, this past Sunday, beautiful day, I played catch with my nephew. It was the first time. He's now old enough, you know, he can actually like air it out a little bit. Yeah. First time I've aired it out in probably years. You know, when I was younger, I used to always wonder what was my velocity. This time I was wondering, you know, what's my spin rate? Well, you know what? I'm jealous. Softball season starts this weekend and I haven't touched my gloves since August. So that's going to be a thing. Uh, listen, opening day is this weekend, so we're going to do a, a season preview show here, a StatCast season preview show. You and I are going to go through the divisions, we're going to pick our winners, and we're going to have 30 cool StatCast stats, one per team. I think that's going to be really interesting. It's going to be very interesting. I hope so. And then next week joining us uh, as a guest, we're going to have Alex Cora, former big league infielder, who I think is just a fascinating guy. I'm really looking forward to talking to him. No question. We're going to get started with the American League East, and quickly we're going to do our, our division winners, right? I'm going to say Red Sox for the American League East. I think you're also going to say Red Sox for the American League East. I'm going Blue Jays. Blue Jays. Oh, okay. So I'm glad we're not going to have exactly the same picks every time. So we're going to go through 30 teams, 30 stats. For the Blue Jays, 1.07 seconds. That's a stat. And I think uh, it would probably take you a year to figure out what that's going to be. But it's actually about Ryan Goins. This is exchange time, right? Exchange time is... Exchange time is it's basically the distance between a fielder receiving the ball and then throwing the ball. The distance, you mean time? Time. Okay. 1.07 seconds. So basically one second. He's the fastest guy in baseball at getting the ball and getting rid of the ball. And that's a skill. Ryan Goins is a very good infielder. No question. And, I mean, it also helps explain... His bat doesn't really carry him in the lineup, but you get to see a stat like that. It makes you see, okay, now I can get why he's in the lineup, particularly with a team with that kind of offense. That's exactly right. All right, Toronto. So, Baltimore, 82.2 miles an hour. That is Darren O'Day's exit velocity on four-seam fastballs, which is really fun to think about because he does not throw hard. There's an 88 miles an hour, and even though he's not throwing it very hard, guys just cannot square up this ball. Slow, slow in, slow out, actually, as it, as it applies to... Uh... Well, that's a myth. That's a myth that we broke. <laughs> I said as it applies, as to, Darren applies to Darren O'Day. <laughs> uh, but that's true. He actually, 36.8% uh, swing and miss rate, which is better than every other pitcher on a fastball except for Errol Chapman, who clearly does not so... Darren O'Day is, is fascinating and awesome in, I, in many ways. I love Darren O'Day. All right, now let's move on to the Rays. 327 feet. Can you tell us the significance of that? 327 feet. That is in terms from home plate, where Kevin Kiermeyer, the center fielder, positions himself. And that's really cool. That's something just the other day we realized that we could track. And that is the deepest center field in baseball. No one plays further back than Kevin Kiermeyer. And you start to wonder if that has something to do with the fact that all the analytics love him so much, and aside from the fact that he's obviously really good. Yeah, it does seem that teams are sort of catching on to this and are thinking, you know what, maybe we should be playing guys deeper. You said, I think Brad Ausmus has said it this spring. Uh, Joe Madden has said it this spring. He wants his outfielders to play deeper, and it makes sense, you know. Cut down extra base hits. Extra base hits are much more damaging than yeah. singles falling in front of you. Well, you wait, you wait until the first pitcher who has a single fall in that should have been caught starts freaking out, and we'll see how long that lasts for those teams. <laughs> uh, Boston, who was my pick for the East, even though they were in last place last year, I have 94.4 miles an hour. That's David Ortiz's exit velocity, and that's actually the third best in baseball uh, behind Miguel Cabrera and Jose Bautista. That's with a minimum of 200 tracked balls if you're running where Giancarlo Stanton is. But that's that's fascinating, I think. He was 39 years old last year. People wanted to shoot him into the sun in May when he was sitting a buck 50. He crushed the ball all year long. Yeah, I mean, it just says something about, you know, how much technique and raw strength does play into um, the power of the ball coming off the bat. 
Yeah. Uh, and the fact that a player, one of the oldest guys in the league, is still hitting the ball as hard as anyone is somewhat uh, astounding. And it's a way to evaluate guys' past peer performance because he was not playing very well early in the year, but we saw he was hitting the ball hard. And, and I remember we wrote, hey, you should give this guy a chance and look what happened. He hits 37 or something home runs, which is impressive. Yes. New York Yankees, what do you got? Uh, I have 97.3 miles an hour. That is Nathan Avaldi's four-seam fastball velocity, which is really good. It's the second highest among starters. It's also the second highest in his own city because number one is Noah Syndergaard. But, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Evaldi throws really hard. He does not have impressive spin either high or low, and he's got a pretty straight fastball. That fastball gets whacked around, and that's why he's always trying to come up with these complimentary pitches. Yeah, in a certain sense, I think Nathan Evaldi is kind of like the uh, the anti-Chris Young for the purposes of uh, <laughs> yeah, a cast so. analysis. <laughs> yeah, the, the opposite of Darren O'Day, yeah. right? I, I remember when um, when I was uh, – I used to – Braden Looper was a pitcher who used to throw, you know, 100 miles an hour and never got swings and misses. And I would love to know his I, – I, I always wondered what was up. That's and why. I just assume it was it was low spin rate. It's straight. It was yeah. not low spin rate, just unimpressive spin rate. Because low spin rate would get you ground balls. Fair enough. Totally average spin totally, rate. Right, exactly. <laughs> All right, moving on to the American League Central. And uh, my pick for the Central, I honestly, for the last week, I said Cleveland. But like an hour ago, I changed my mind and I went Detroit. So I'm going Detroit now. Uh, yeah, I've, the Indians are kind of, they've sort of been the hipster pick for a couple of years. And they I kind of want to say them. But with the you look at the outfield. So your pick is? Yeah. I'm going White Sox. White Sox. Okay. But for the record, neither one of us are picking the Royals, so let's just remember that in October. Um, so, okay. So, we'll start with the Indians. Uh, 85.7 miles per hour. That is the perceived velocity on Cody Allen's knuckle curve ball. That's the second highest in baseball behind Craig Kimbrell. Last I checked, Craig Kimbrell, pretty good. Cody Allen as it is, also, also very good. Underrated. Whoever talks about Cody Allen when you're talking about closers? Nobody. But he's really, really good. He's a big part of the why that pitching staff's going to be really impressive and, this year. And part of the reason why they are a hipster. Uh, well, listen, I would, have, I would have stuck with my pick if not for the fact that you and I might be their starting corner <clears throat> outfielders right now. That's my problem with that. Bradley Zimmer may be my new dark horse pick for AL Rookie of the Year. That's right. And the opportunity is there. So neither of us picked the Royals. We'll probably regret that. But uh, we have to go to Wade Davis. And, and my number here is 2,540 RPM, 2,540. That's the spin rate on his cut fastball, not his four-seamer, his cutter. That's the second highest in baseball behind only Kenley Jansen. And we know Kenley Jansen is basically the modern era Mariano Rivera in terms of that cut fastball. Wade Davis is actually really close. He only got 10 hits allowed on the, the cutter all year long. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a remarkable pitcher. He's become arguably the best closer in, uh, in baseball. But you were showing me some, some data before the show that I don't want to say is alarming, but maybe we <laughs> spring, should be keeping an eye out for Wade spring, Davis. Spring training velocity is down to uh, about two miles an hour or so. Uh, it's spring training, you know, maybe he's not airing it out, but something to maybe worry about. And when I look at spring training data, I don't care about wins. I don't care about batting average. I care about guys who aren't throwing as hard. And what was he throwing about 94 compared to yeah. 96 last it year? Is, is that yeah, it? Yeah, about that. Maybe so so something to keep an eye on early in the uh, early in the season is Wade, Wade Davis's uh, velocity. Now on to the, uh, the Tigers. We will stay in the... Uh, the spin rate milieu. Yeah, oh, um, milieu. <laughs> That's that kind of show. Okay. 2491, 2491 RPM. That's Justin Verlander's four seam spin rate. That is the highest in baseball among starting pitchers. Uh, and we know what high spin rate means, right? It means the ball stays up. You get, to, you get induced fly balls and pop ups, and you get swinging strikes. And so he's fascinating because he said for most of his career, he never looked at data. He never really had a plan. He just went out and he threw it and he dared people to hit it and they couldn't. And now his velocity was down and he's had a rough couple of years. But remember, he came back. He, he had a 556 ERA, his first seven starts, 236 ERA, his final 13. And that's because he started throwing that high spin fastball higher in the zone. That got him a lot more strikeouts. It's basically Chris Young, except if Chris Young could actually throw 93 or 94. 
Yeah, Verlander, the, the key, I think if your Tigers are going to, your Tigers, tigers. <laughs> are going to win the uh, AL Central, he's going to maintain that second half performance he had last year. He absolutely has to. Uh, now, moving on to the Twins, let's talk about possibly my favorite young player in the game, Miguel Sano. Really? I, I thought you were going to talk about barrels, because that's your favorite term now. <laughs> well, and that's we're, we're inventing a term. Okay, we're, we're calling barrels, you know, you barrel up a, a ball, and we're, and we're defining that as balls hit over 100 miles an hour, which is really good at a launch angle between 10 and 25 degrees, which is basically the line drive zone. It's higher than a ground ball. It's low enough so that it's not a fly ball. That, that's the best thing you can do as a hitter. So eight or nine degrees, probably if you hit it on the nose, it'd be kind of a line drive to the shortstop maybe. Is that sort of the... Depending on the, the angle, like uh, left to right. But yeah, exactly. Probably won't be high enough up. And then if you get it above 25 degrees, and maybe you're hitting it kind of too far up, and then that's a fly ball. It's not a line drive. Uh, when you do that at 100 miles an hour, or between 10 and 25 degrees, the league hits 595. That's really good. That's what you want. So when you hear us referring to uh, to barrels uh, on any of our multiple platforms, that's what it is. That's what we're referring and to. And the point is that 16.7%, no one of their batted balls did it as often as Miguel Sano. So people focus on his strikeouts. I focus on that. When he hits the ball, good things are going to happen. Yeah, I, I if I had to pick someone to hit the farthest home run that StatCast measures this year, I'm putting it on Miguel Sano. Giancarlo Stanton is angry at you <laughs> somewhere. Uh, moving on to the White Sox, who I guess you just picked the White Sox, so congratulations for that. <laughs> you can put it on the board, yes. Yeah, so Avisal Garcia did not have a great year last year, but his number here is 97 miles an hour, uh, and that's actually his throwing arm on what we're calling competitive plays, which is a player's 90th percentile and above uh, plays from the outfield. That's the fourth best uh, in baseball. That's really impressive. So let me just, when you're calculating 90th percentile, you're basically saying, what's their hardest throw and everything in the 90th percent of that Presented that and above because we want to we want to weed out the noise essentially of saying oh I, you know I lobbed a ball back in on a pop fly who cares it was 40 miles an hour nobody cares about that we just want to get to what is a guy performing at when he's actually trying and that's what we we'll come up with for him and as it turns out uh, he was he led the majors in outfield assists last year he did Sunday? yes he did that is absolutely true so maybe with this info in hand now maybe third base coaches will not be challenging that's right Avisel Garcia quite as often as they did that's right so uh, we're gonna move on to the West and I'm actually gonna jump ahead to the Astros here because it's the same exact stat but not not the same exact stat 94.6 miles an hour on exactly those same kind of throws the 90th percentile uh, but that's as a team it's not as a player if you take their team they have the best outfield arms in baseball and that's because Marisnik and Carlos Gomez are one two their team or their 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 top three outfielders Marisnik Gomez and Springer uh, no, it's just over anybody. Anybody. Oh, yeah. wow. And, and using likely 2016 rosters. So oh, wow. like Jason Hayward's on the Cubs in, in this scenario and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, they, you don't want to run on those guys. They have put together a team of just incredible athletes. That, yeah. that roster, just raw tools across and skills. But like it is a it is a fun team to watch the Astros. The Astros, you skipped it. I but did skip are it. my pick to win the AOS. That's a hipster pick. I'm going to go Texas Rangers. I know that's risky, but I really like the Rangers offense this year. Um, now, what about the Oakland A's? Let's, let's take a step back a little bit. Maybe some people see them as a sleeper team. We won't get too far into that. But what is their stat? 3.85 seconds. Uh, and this is home to first base running speed. It's the exact same kind of competitive plays. It's the 90th percentile. It's the same as we just talked about for outfield arms because you don't want a guy who's lazily jogging out of pop fly. So 3.85 seconds, that's Billy Burns, center fielder. And that is the fastest home to first time in the game. That's ahead of D. Gordon. That's ahead of Billy Hamilton. That's Billy Burns, and that's that's really impressive because he's not the first guy you think of when you think of elite speed. Correct. And then well, I think we should stay on the uh, on the speed tip to talk about the Texas Rangers because there's another surprising speed stat, which is the Lionel DeShields. Number is 132. That is the number of times the Lionel DeShields reached 
21 miles per hour running the bases last year, which was easily the most in baseball. Only seven other players managed to reach that mark 50 times. Yeah, he did that 132 times uh, during a Major League Baseball season. I don't think I could do that once in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean he's the fastest guy in baseball, but in terms of demonstrated speed, whether it's because, you know, sometimes maybe he hit more like slow grounders that forced him to run faster, but whatever it is, when he's on the bases, in terms of miles per hour, he's running as fast or faster than, faster than anyone more frequently. Right, and, and that's really impressive. He's a Rule 5 guy from the Houston Astros. That's, that's a nice pick. Astros, another, another one of their like yeah. crazy athletes. They he like could have been away. out there. And for, just for context, 21 miles per hour, at least anecdotally, is sort of where we found was kind of the threshold of, okay, only fast guys really get over 21 miles an hour. So it's a little arbitrary, yes, but it was just from, from what, we've, what we've noticed that's that's definitely, uh, in terms of whole numbers, that's a really good cutoff point. Yeah, like we said, he did it 132 times. Only seven other guys even hit it 50 times. And so that tells you a lot about what Delano Shields can do. Uh, let's go up to the Pacific Northwest and the Mariners. We've talked a lot about Robinson Cano and how we both kind of think he's going to be a bounce-back player. His number is 67 times, and I thought this was interesting. On balls hit at 100 miles an hour or more, 67 times Robinson Cano will turn those into an out. And that's, that's really unfair if you think about it. Because if you hit the ball 100 miles an hour as a hitter, you've done your job. And if it's not a hit after that, it's a, it's a little bit about placement and bad luck. And that's kind of what happened. You know, baseball hit 621 on balls above 100 miles an hour. Can only hit 571. I hope 571 sounds pretty good, but it's below average. And you kind of saw between his lousy start and his really great finish, those numbers started to average out. And he's also a guy that he is not um, someone who's a dead pole hitter. So you don't really, you can't really quite shift him the way you can some other guys who hit the ball really hard off the bat. So it definitely speaks to uh, to some of the, the bad luck he ran into. Yeah, uh, our, our final team in the West, and I kind of feel like we need a, a trumpet sound effect here because we're going to talk about our king of spin. This is 3,086 RPM. That's Garrett Richards' curveball spin. That is the single highest spin pitch in baseball. It's the only pitch that got over 3,000 RPM last year. He's And he's going to show up like four more times on other teams in this list because he's really impressive. That's what he does. He's the king of spin. Yeah, I think and it's not just a curveball from that mistaken out of the numbers on me, but like... All of his pitches, he's he's unique in the sense that all of his pitches show up on the the, the leaderboards for amongst yes, he's got high the, spin. He's got the highest slider. He, he's up there in four seam. That's what he does. Everything spins for him. And uh, you know, high spin curves, you, you would correlate that. You would think with with movement. And he has the second highest vertical movement on his curveball and a huge ground ball rate on that curveball. I think we for, let's we're going to move to the National League East now. And the first team we're going to touch on is the Atlanta Braves. That plays in nicely with Garrett Richards and that. Uh, breaking ball spin rate, but first... Can I assume you're not going to pick the Braves? Um, not this year. Not this year, okay. Uh, so who is your National League East pick? Uh, by, by a hair, the, the Mets. I really think the Nationals are going to make it close, but I'm going to go with the Mets by a little bit. Um, I'm going with the Nationals just because I think that... Um, I'm a little bit of a contrarian. And I like to... <laughs> <laughs> and Fair it sort enough. of seemed like a lot of things went bad... A lot of things went right for the Nationals last year, but a lot of things also went really badly for them. And I think that just, you know, the way that things are going to bounce, that's sort of it, my hunch is it'll be close, but I think they're going to edge it out. It does sort of depend on Bryce Harper repeating one of the most historic seasons of all Exactly. Time. That's the thing that definitely went right. right. So anyway. Back to the Braves. Yes. Uh, Julio Teheran, who I guess is their their de facto ace this year. Yes. He had uh, the lowest spin slider in the game, 1,148 RPM. And so I know we kind of we like to think of numbers as being better equals higher, but it's not necessarily true. Like we talked about with fastballs, it's really you want to be an extreme. And so he was. He had the lowest spin in the game, and uh, the highest spin in the game was, there we go, Garrett Richards. <laughs> and they both had really effective sliders. So it goes to show there's different ways to get there. Yeah, and Tehran is, is also interesting because he has this really low um, sort of counter to Richards. He has a really low spin on the slider. Not a high spin on the 14 fastball, but he's above 2,200, which is probably about average. 
and you don't see when you look at those two leaderboards, you don't see a lot of pitchers um, kind of be low on one. And you know, so you give hitters a different look. Yeah, like exactly. When you talk about changing eye levels or changing yeah, looks, changing spin levels, it, it seems like uh, that's cool. Uh, you know, as, as we get further into the data, we'll sort of look into these things a little bit more. But that's the kind of thing I'd be interested in. Uh, uh, you diving into a bit more. Oh, okay. <laughs> Subtle. I like that. Uh, we talked about the Mets and the Nationals, so let's go right to their numbers. Uh, for the Mets, 29.7%, and I, I think everybody has a good guess of what that's going to be. Uh, we're the best in baseball percentage of pitches that reached 95 miles an hour this year. Everybody knows the Mets' is pitching staff velocity, and uh, we're using likely 2016 rosters to come up with that number. But, you know, they are the kings of heat, and it could actually get higher this year, right? They got rid of Jonathan Neese, who did not throw a single pitch over 95 miles an hour, and they're going to welcome back at some point Zach Wheeler, who the year before he got hurt did it about a thousand times they could even be better than they were last year in the heat department yes it's uh it's a, it's a fun it's a fun group to watch uh that's for sure now how about the national this is one of your favorites so yeah i know you... i've been talking about this one for a while uh 98.1 miles an hour that is ryan zimmerman's post disabled list exit velocity which is really really good we've talked about how he tried to play through a bad foot for the first three months uh six six eleven ops and an 89.1 exit velocity trying to play play through pain 40 games off to rest, he comes back 98.1 exit velocity, 1.024 OPS. Don't play through pain. And I think we saw the results there. And uh, Ur- Ryan Zimmerman just about a half hour ago hit a, uh, I saw hit a home run off Matt Harvey. So maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe uh, they, you know, the Zimmerman's going to make you look smart. Um, so what about the, the Marlins? The Marlins are like probably, the most, team. You know, probably the most interesting <laughs> stat cast team. You know, you obviously, we've, we've, we've gone on about Giancarlo Stanton ad nauseum. You know, Marcelo Izuno, we've talked about Carter Capp sadly injured with his perceived velocity. There's just, there's no shortage of cool things about the yeah, Marlins. They but are you, the stack. Of, they need to trade to forget Richards. They do that, <laughs> and I'm just going to explode. Uh, well, we went behind the plate. JT Real Muto, uh, not someone you really talk about that much on that team, but he, we went 1.87 seconds, and that's his pop time. That's the fastest time of any regular catcher in baseball. And what pop time really is, it, it's mitt to mitt, right, on a throw to second base. It's the time from when the catcher receives the ball to the time that the second baseman or shortstop receives the ball. And you want it to be as quick as possible. Yeah, Real Muto is a, he's a real, he might be the best. Uh, athlete of any catcher he's also i think uh we've seen him track the fastest running speed yes uh home to first of any of any catcher yeah, he's interesting but he's actually a, a kind of a poor framer and so our our beat writer joe frazaro talked to him about that and that's really a focus for him is he knows he's good at these things and not so much at framing and he's really trying to get better at that this year um lastly we'll go to the phillies who are actually kind of interesting their, their roster is a lot more interesting than i thought it might right. be i'm more excited to watch a phillies game this year than i have been in like the last four years and they've been going to win fewer games this year most likely uh 12.2 for michael franco and this kind of goes back to barrels what we talked about with snow which is batted balls over 100 miles an hour between 10 and 25 degrees it's really really good if you can do that and uh he was in the top dozen of that percentage last year and we, now we've seen him in the spring and he's crushing baseballs left and right so i like to think that he's gonna have a good year and if he does the stack has data from his you know half season in the big leagues last year really kind of previewed that and as i think you noted in a recent piece you wrote about Azuna, his stat line last year basically mirrored Manny Machado, who was oh, cons- yes. considered one of like the breakout stars of last year. The thing is, Machado literally played in 162 games last year, the only player in baseball who did that, while yes. Azuna was hurt and played, I think, in like... Franco. Was hurt. Sorry, Franco. Franco. So going back to my other stat cast. Yeah, yeah. No, Franco got... You're right. Franco was hurt, so he didn't play as much. And then if you remember the, the NL rookies last year, you know, Peterson and Bryant and Syndergaard and all these guys, it was really easy to miss a guy who played half the season on a team that wasn't really competitive. And I think it's a little unfair because Franco really had a nice season. And if you take anything from spring training, him destroying baseballs, I think, is a pretty good one. Um, now moving on to the NL Central. Uh, Cubs, right? Cubs. We're all taking Cubs. I think the Cubs 
there's a good chance we'll actually not win as many games as they did last year. And still win the division. Still win the division. I, I would say, I actually, I didn't pick the Cardinals or the Pirates to even make the wild card, which I think says a lot about the National League this year. And those are two good teams. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a, a fascinating uh, fascinating race. Because also in the East, you've got a couple of, you know, the, the Mets and Nationals will theoretically be able to pad their win totals against the Braves and possibly the Phillies. Although the Phillies, I think, are going to be better than people give them credit I, for. But I still, think that's true. those are still probably... Probably worse teams than the Brewers and Reds. Pro- yeah. Yes, the Reds. Worse than the Reds. Brewers, debatable. They're all in the lower tier. Well, let me yeah. tell you why I picked the Cubs. All right. 85 miles an hour. This is one of my favorite stats of the entire list. That is the overall average exit velocity against Jake Arrieta, which means that when batters would hit the ball, it would come off the bat at an average of 85 miles an hour. That is the best among any starter in baseball. And what that means is that, you know, we talk a lot about it. Is, is exit velocity a skill? Is that something pitchers can control? Well, when the top three guys in the list are Arietta, Keuchel, and Kershaw, which are two Cy Young winners from last year and the best pitcher probably any of us will ever live to see, that says to me that might actually be a skill. Yeah, I mean, I think this goes this goes back to the original conversations people had around uh, betting on average on balls in play when Boris McCracken first yeah, sort dips. of cracked that code, I think, in you know, 2000 or 2001. And for the most part, you know, most pitchers – Hover, their batting average on balls in play against hovers around 300, you know, 290, 300 range. But, of course, you know, traditionalists would say, well, you know, it's got to be lower for, for great pitchers. And, you know, you'd look at Pedro Martinez, who was the best pitcher in baseball at the time, and he always had a BABIP way lower than average. There was still fluctuation. One year might be 240, right. one year might be 260, but it was always lower. And he'd miss bats. And he'd miss bats. <laughs> and this kind of goes to show, and this, by the way, this doesn't undermine the research that McCracken no, did. No, Babbitt is most certainly a thing. Yes. But good pitchers can limit exit velocity, as evidenced by the fact that the leaders in the baseball last year were Arietta, Keuchel, and Kershaw. That tells yeah. you something. Yeah, I think Chris Sale is up on the list somewhere, too. Really good pitchers. They don't get hit hard. Uh, so, you know, we, we talked about that, and now we're going to go to um, – I'm gonna. this is a new stat. I don't think we've talked about this before. Plate time, all right, in Cincinnati. Jumbo Diaz, his plate time, 0.38 seconds, so about a third of a second. Plate time – is the measure of when the ball comes out of his hand to when the ball crosses home plate. And it's not just about velocity. Obviously, a lot of it's about velocity, but it's also about extension. So if you can get off the mound, and all of a sudden you turn 60 feet 6 inches into only 53 feet, which is basically what he did. He's got a 7-point-something extension. That, that's really hard for a hitter to react to, you know? And look at the top two guys in plate time last year, Chapman and Carter Capps. Keep so, coming back to them. So for, for Reds fans who are sad, they're no longer going to have the flame-throwing Roldis Chapman, they can. We have take, Jumbo. They have Jumbo we Diaz, have Jumbo. who is a uh, an approximation of Chapman in, in at least this one respect. In one respect. Well, listen, if we're going to talk about flamethrowers, let's go uh, to Pittsburgh. Probably my favorite name to say about this entire thing, Archimedes Caminero. And I mostly didn't just pick him because of his name, but he actually did something really cool. He hit triple digits 77 times last year. So that's his number 77 times, hitting 100 miles an hour or more. The only guy in baseball who did that more often is Aroldis Chapman, of course. So now that Chapman's off to the Yankees, is Caminero the National League's foremost flamethrower? Uh, it seems like he could be, you know, maybe unless Jumbo Diaz has something to say about it. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, so we've got two more uh, NL Central teams to get through. Uh, let's go to the Brewers. The Brewers. Uh, you know, the Brewers are in a rebuilding mode, and they're, they're kind of buying low on guys with upside. And so that's exactly what they did with Chris Carter formerly of the Houston Astros, his number 98.1 miles an hour. That's exit velocity, and it's it's actually exit velocity from August 1 to the end of the season. So for the final two-plus months of the year, that was the best in baseball. Nobody hit the ball harder than he did. And, you know, it's really interesting because there's evidence that he changed his approach. He started swinging at more strikes, and he started swinging at fewer balls, and he changed his, his, his stance. And listen, he's always going to strike out a lot. He's always going to have a low batting average. That's fine. 
But if he can really barrel up the ball the way he did with that exit velocity in that ballpark with, you know, a clear path to playing time, that's a pretty good buy low on a one-year deal. Yeah, I think that's – he's uh, – if you – over under on, on 35 home runs, you take the over the under. Uh, I'd probably take it on the nose, but if forced to choose, I'll take over. As, as would I. Now, there's another player for the Cardinals with actually a very different body type, but hitting approach, very similar hitting approach. And that's Randall Grichuk. Yeah, I remember I had Will Leach on this podcast early last year, and he's a noted Cardinals fan. We, we talked a lot about Randall Grichuk because he was one of the earliest StatCast guys in the sense that he didn't really get talked about that much, but he kept showing up high in the exit velocity charts. So his number, 94.5 miles an hour, uh, and that's fifth out of 373 guys with 100 track balls. That's really good. And so I think it's an interesting way to see that, you know, with the StatCast numbers, we can shine a light on some of these guys you wouldn't actually think of because they pop up in these things that we've never really measured before. Exactly. And obviously, exit velocity isn't everything because you actually have to put the bat on the ball, and that's the downside for a guy like Grichik or Chris Carter. So no. Um, so no, Pedro Alvarez, Mark Trumbull, these are other guys that yeah. kind of show up on these exit velocity, ble- exit velocity leaderboards who are somewhat flawed hitters. You know, we obviously want to, want to acknowledge that, but the fact of the matter is when they put the ball, bat on the ball, they're dangerous. And Grichik is still also young enough that you could feel like you could see a little bit of development, you know, figures out, th- figures his approach out a little bit more, and, you know, you might have a, a star on your hands. And if he is, he won't always be the guy drafted right before Mike Trout, which is what he was up until this point. Um, last but not least, the NL West. NL West, um, everybody seems to be going Giants or D-backs. Everyone's super down on the Dodgers because of their spring training injuries. I still think the Dodgers have the best pitcher in baseball and have the deepest roster in baseball. I, I'm going to have to go Dodgers here. Uh, I'm still going Dodgers. The injuries... Have given me a little pause in regards to the Giants. I'm not in on the Diamondbacks at all. No. Um, particularly, no one, I mean, no one's talking about the fact that A.J. Pollock basically hasn't played this spring. <laughs> I know, right? Like, the guy they're counting on to be, you know, their number two guy, number two star side by side with Paul Goldschmidt hasn't played. Like, that's, 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 a, that's a problem. So, I like you, I'm going to pick Dodgers, but I really like the Giants infield and their rotation. I could easily see the Giants pulling away. Uh, but I think I picked them as a wild card. So since we're talking about the Giants, let's stick with the Giants. Sergio Romo feels like he's been around forever. Uh, his number is 2,332 RPM. That is his slider, and his slider is really fascinating. So we tracked 47 pitchers who threw 500 sliders last year. Okay, His was the slowest at 77 miles an hour, but it had the second highest spin behind, of course, Garrett Richards because it's always Garrett Richards. And if you think about that, that's a really weird combination, a really, really slow spider, a slider that's spinning at such high speed Tells you a little bit about the fact that velocity and spin aren't really correlated that well. But it's also, I think, kind of a, a pitch type that hitters don't really see that well, that mm-hmm. much. Yeah, it, make, it reminds me, make, it makes me think about the old big Barry Zito curveball. Another pitch that I kind of wish could go back and it, it might not have had a, 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 a high spin, but you wonder about a pitch like that that sort of baffled hitters and right. was coming in at like 68 miles an hour and clearly had a pretty sharp break on it. So it makes me think. That it, that, it, that it would have. I wonder, I wonder if the A's of the time were able to measure that and just never told anybody about it. It wouldn't shock me. Um, let's keep with spin, and let's go to the Dodgers. Yimmy Garcia. You know, of all the players on that roster, Yimmy Garcia is not the guy I think you would think about. His spin rate, uh, four-seam fastball, 2,533. That's actually the highest spin among any reliever. And so I know we said Verlander had the highest spin. That was among starters. This is the highest spin among any reliever now that Rafael Betancourt has retired. He's the only one who topped him last year. We know what four-seam fastball spinning high do strikeouts, uh, fly balls, and pop flies. And so if you actually look at it, Jimmy Garcia only throws 93 miles an hour, struck out 68 in 56 innings. That's a higher strikeout rate than Steven Strasburg or Jose Fernandez. That's pretty impressive. As we, particularly as it applies to the four-seam fastball, as we see how a, um extreme spin rate can lead to increased effectiveness, I'm wondering if that's something you can teach. 
Like, uh, how much of it is natural? Like, oh, you just natural? Because that's one of the things you'd, you'd hear scouts sort of say, oh, he's got a lot of life on the ball, which, as it turns out, we now can measure is... I've asked players that. Most of them think it's natural. Some of them say, well, if you change the grip, maybe that can help. But I can tell you one thing about Yimmy Garcia. I remember uh, the first time we really got any spin data was back in 2013, the Arizona Fall League. There was TrackMan was set up out there. And even then, he was popping up as the top spin guy. So I, I, clearly it's something he's just had with him. He probably has no idea about it. But, you know, it's really, it's doing him well. But much the same, my, I guess my point is much the same way you see players try and re, reinvent themselves as knuckleballers. Maybe someone's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, try and figure out how I can throw with a lot more spin on my four-seamer and reinvent myself as a... Uh... The guy who does that is going to be a very, very wealthy <laughs> man. Uh, we talked about the Giants. We talked about the Dodgers. Just the third team in that division, Paul Goldschmidt. Probably the most underrated superstar in baseball. He's phenomenal. He's got, oh, he's got Jeff Bagwell's career. Although he's getting, he's almost getting to the... He's so underrated. He's almost. He's getting. Uh, I think he's getting, he think he's about properly rated now. Well, there's a lot of things we could talk about Goldschmidt. We could talk about the way he crushes the ball, and he certainly does. I went with 13 and a half feet, which I think is cool. That's his average lead distance off of first base, and uh, so that it's interesting. He, he's a big guy, not the fastest guy in the world. He stole 21 bases last year, and that's because he's kind of changing the way the game is played. He's not running 90 feet. He's running 76 and a half feet because he's cutting it down, and so that that's a big reason how a guy like that can make that many steals. Yeah, my favorite my favorite stat as it applies to that is that. We compared him to Rajah Davis, who has the most steals in baseball since 2009. Um, last year, on stolen bases, Goldschmidt's time from first to second was 3.76 seconds. Davis's was 3.77 seconds. So while I'm certain Davis would beat him in a foot race, basically Goldschmidt is shaving a foot or two yeah, off the race. Start. He's getting he's a, head start. a head start. <laughs> and it's funny. You can really change the way the game is played when you do something like that. Uh, I actually kind of feel bad for leaving the Padres and Rockies till the end because it seems like that's what always happens when we talk about the NOS. But you know I love the Rockies, and I love to talk about the Rockies. Our number here is 95% and 94%. That is the percentage of times that Jason Mott and Jake McGee throw their fastballs. Unfortunately, I saw Jason Mott like right before we walked in here hurt his shoulder, so I don't know if that's actually going to hold true or not. But we, we talked to Jeff Breidich on the show, and we were asking him a lot, are they trying to get fastballs because they think that breaking pitches don't work as well? at altitude and they want pitchers who can really not have to go in there without part of their arsenal they want guys who already throw a lot of fastballs we you know we don't know but that's kind of seemed to be what they're testing out this year yeah and i think with 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 mott and mcgee the rockies bullpen assuming mott isn't like seriously hurt you sure. know obviously that caveat we don't know yet they're gonna have a sneaky good bullpen and i don't yeah. think they're gonna be a a contender but i think they're probably going to be a little bit better than people give them for. Especially when Adam Adovino comes back, because exactly. he was really good before he got hurt last year. And it's, it's it's you know so it's I think that that's something that they haven't had for for years, and now they're sort of realizing, oh my god, we, we, we need a deep bullpen. Yeah. And I think they have that for the first time in a few years, and you know could lead them to be more of a you know a 500 team as opposed to you know 73 74 win team. Do you want to finish this off with the San Diego Padres? Sure. Why not? <laughs> 85.4 miles per hour. That is Christian Betancourt's average throwing speed at second base. That is the best among catchers who had at least 10 track throws. You know, I mean, Betancourt's a guy, when he was coming up as a prospect, that was always the book on him. This guy has got a cannon. He's great behind the plate. I remember at the Futures game a few years ago, he was playing with their team, international team, Billy Hamilton, you know, was in the midst of his, whatever, 100-plus steal season in the minors. And there was this, like, excitement amongst prospect nerds, of which I count myself among them, um, of like, ooh, you know, is Hamilton going to get on base and get a chance to, to test to test Betancourt? And that's, unfortunately, at least at this point, he's still young enough that that could change. I mean, I remember Yanni Molina came up and no one thought he'd ever hit. But uh, Betancourt really hasn't really found out found out 
he can do much with the bat. But the but arm is real. The arm is real. The, the data backs up the, the scouting reports, yes. which is really how it should work. Exactly. Right? If it was the opposite, then we had a big problem. So I'm happy about that. And it sounds like he's going to make the team as a backup to Derek Norris. So hopefully we can start measuring some of those uh, throws in the game. Exactly. So that has been 30 stats uh, for 30 teams, 30 th- stat cast stats as we get the season kicked off. Uh, Matt, thank you for all the, the going through this with me because there's a lot of numbers here. This was a lot of fun. I am... As ready as I can be for opening day. And it's not that far away. It's just a couple of days away. All right. Matt Myers, thank you very much. I'm your host, Mike Petriello. Uh, join us next week. We'll have Alex Cora chatting with us about everything baseball. This has been the MLB.com StatCast podcast. Catch you next week. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.